0: Welcome to the Text Lab. This is Andrea.
1: Hey, it's David.
0: And this is where we do a deep dive into the text to help you prep for life groups this week. Our goal is to help you make disciples who make disciples. So whether you're leading a life group or just trying to do some deep diving on your own, we hope the Text Lab helps you have meaningful conversations about what God has said in his word. This week is John 5, verses 30 through 47. Let's get into it.
1: I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I received is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, And you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen. And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. And I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words?
0: So good. So where do we get started here?
1: Yeah, I think like one exegetical tool that's really helpful in this text is just kind of understanding the way characters work in narrative. Um, This is important because we're in the book of John. We have been for this whole series, and um, the book of John is a narrative, which is really important to always remember every time you come to the text that you're going to read this book different than you read Ephesians and different than you read Psalm or Proverbs. Um, And there's going to be certain characters that are really at play, making the main point of the text. So some of these characters are gonna be big characters in the text, and some of them are gonna be minor characters in the text. Um, kind of the main characters, the big characters, these are gonna be the ones that are a little bit more multi dimensional. They're going to be the ones that talk a little bit more, have a little bit more development. You're going to find out kind of more about them. And then secondary characters, the minor characters, are often uh, flat, one-dimensional characters. And so in this passage specifically, we see these different characters. We see these different witnesses at hand, and they're trying to make a certain point. I just think that's really helpful to understand that these narratives in the character aren't just here kind of for the sake of it. They're making a bigger point that's happening. In the text. Sure.
0: Yeah. Just like you wouldn't read poetry or an instruction manual to look for characters when you're but when you're reading a book, you totally want to know like what's happening to this character. Yeah. And you're not gonna pay any attention to the random character in the corner, but that main character you want to pay attention to. Totally.
1: If you try to read your car manual as poetry, that's gonna be a very weird experience. Yeah. Awkward.
0: (laughs) 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 Okay, so how does this passage build on the last one and where we've
1: already been in, John? Yeah, so where we're coming from is Jesus just healed the man who was paralyzed at the pool. Okay, so he's healed him, and then... The Jewish leaders are really upset about that. Um, The man himself doesn't respond in belief, if you remember, to the Jewish, uh, or actually to the royal official that was healed at the end of chapter 4. He responds in belief, the royal official, but the healing at the pool, he doesn't respond in belief. Actually, he goes and kind of like tells on Jesus to the religious leaders, and now they're upset. And so Jesus is making his kind of courtroom defense here. In this passage, and I think that's kind of just a helpful metaphor to understand what's happening here. Jesus is making his defense. There's kind of this um, Jewish, in, in in the Jewish kind of law world of the first century, that you had to have two witnesses in order to establish a truth. Um, so Jesus here calls even more than two witnesses and says, "Hey, these people are establishing the truth of who I am and my ministry."
0: Yeah, I just love what Jesus does here. And even what he did last week, like he's using this language that the people he's talking to can totally understand. Mm. He's making no bones about the fact that he's like, look, I'm trying to make a point yep. according to the rules that you already set up. Right. So I'm going to prove myself right. Right. And then he's even gonna. We're gonna even see him flip the tables just a little bit here on them,
1: but um, we'll get to that later. And I think I think in this passage, you're seeing now Jesus has gone from Cana to Cana. He's done all these miracles. He's done these signs. He's had this following growing, and here he's really revealing the truth of who he is. He's really explaining at just this deeper level who is Christ and what is he doing and what is his mission. and And so all of that is kind of coming together in this text. And so one of the first witnesses he calls is John the Baptist. And he says... Okay, John the Baptist testified about me. You saw him down, I think Andre, you said he was in a van down by the river. Yeah, he's in a van down by the river. And so (laughs) why do you think Jesus would start with John the Baptist? Why would he even call John the Baptist as a witness?
0: Yeah, I think the text speaks to that just a little bit. He's like, You sent to John, and Mm -hmm. he has born witness. Like, so he's basically saying, Hey, this guy that you already thought might be the Messiah, and you went to ask him. He was really clear about who I am. He already told you. He wasn't the one, but you thought highly enough of him to believe that he mm. might be the one. Mm. And then we see John, like, he's just kind of this, like, popular yep. weirdo down by the yeah. river. Like, whatever it is, he's got a, a big following. Yeah. And yep. so I think you see some pieces there with these leaders who they're like, oh, yeah, we don't want to get people upset over what, disagreeing with what John says. And Jesus is just using this same reasoning with them where he's saying, like, hey, John said, said it. There's, there's one check mark in my, in my column.
1: Yeah, because there's this sense that something's going on with John the Baptist. Even the religious leaders, some seem to believe in him to some sort. They don't really know who he is. Um, you see Nicodemus' curiosity about Christ and the whole movement happening. Um, and you do see John the Baptist, this is the first revelation from God in 400 plus years. And so there's this, there's this sense that everyone's John the Baptist on, the, on their team. And so Jesus says, hey, John the Baptist, he's testifying about me. So then going on from there, like it, Jesus goes on and says, God, the father is now testifying to my work and right. to my ministry.
0: Right. So how does that work? How does God, the father testify to Christ? Cause it's yeah. not like he's got a PA system or something like that.
1: Totally. Right. Totally. And so I think we can, we can ask this question. How is God, the father doing this? We don't see him actually saying anything directly kind of speaking except that John at Jesus baptism from John he does speak directly and then what Jesus unpacks this with is explaining look at the whole Old Testament so in some sense there is this big megaphone called the Old Testament that is all proclaiming and pointing to Jesus uh, mm this would have been revolutionary for how the the Jews would have understood the Old Testament. This is a paradigm being flipped in their heads that the Old Testament was all about Christ. All these different narratives that happened in the Torah, um, in the first five books, all of the Old Testament as a whole is ultimately pointing to Jesus as the climax of that story. Um, And that's that's where Jesus is saying, look, you've been reading the, the word of God. You search the scriptures diligently trying to find out who is God, preparing for his kingdom. It's all been talking about me. And he's trying to make that connection happen in their minds.
0: Yeah, this narrative that you have memorized, these stories that you've been telling for centuries, all of them point to Jesus.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's like a helpful thing for us to understand as we read the text to to look through the Old Testament. Uh, as we read the, the all of scripture, understanding Jesus as, as that central point. The, the stories of the Old Testament, they sometimes don't really make sense if you just read them in a vacuum. Sure. Uh, if you just read them apart from kind of the bigger narrative that's happening, this is all pointing to Christ. Yeah. This is all ultimately pointing to Jesus. And that brings a richness to that text that otherwise you'll just miss if you don't do that.
0: What are some of the stories you feel like
1: point that way? Yeah, so I think even just um, going back to, like, like, take even just, for example, like the Exodus of, of Israel and the, in the Old Testament of uh, f- being freed from Pharaoh. You can read that story and see uh, God liberating his people from bondage. And so in our minds, as, you, as you're thinking Christologically about scripture, you think about how Jesus comes and sets us free from sin and sets us free from slavery. And so thinking about like a Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8, that Paul says you're no longer slaves to sin, but slaves to God. Suddenly you're making this like slaves connection point yeah. um, to where y- you're thinking and you know that Old Testament story. And so it's not necessarily that Jesus was present in uh, the Old Testament narrative about the people of Israel as in, as in the incarnation, the way we understand Jesus now. But you're seeing this, oh, the Exodus is this foreshadowing event. Telling yeah. us about another liberation that's going to come from sin through Christ Himself, right. and so just thinking christologically about Scripture helps. I think you see other things that we would uh, otherwise miss. So, totally. Thanks for asking that question. I wasn't prepared for that one, Audrey. <laughs> um. So, so like, why, why, why do you think, why do you think the Jews missed it?
0: So. I think sometimes we can like throw them all in a box and be like, every single Jew missed it, um, hmm. that which really isn't true. But there is something about this idea, even of human nature, when we think about ourselves today, Like we are hardwired to like our ideas yeah. best. And if you have been brought up with a thought hmm. system, and then you're going to try to change it, think about somebody changing their faith yep. late in life. Yeah. Or if yeah. somebody were to come to you and say, listen... I know you've been believing in Jesus all of your life, but I have all this evidence. How hard would it be for us right. to make that change? And so I think that even though all of these stories pointed to who Jesus was, there is this this natural tendency in the human mind yeah. to like the story you like. And then also it's a threat to yeah. these yeah. teachers, right? Like if they've got it wrong, their whole reputation yeah. is on the line. Yeah. Yeah. And then... Um, there's just that additional piece of like the person that they're looking for they are expecting a king mm. and what they got is a kid born on a side street in yolo county who's now <laughs> teaching lectures in the courtyard at stanford and they're like what is who is this guy that's a fantastic who's like sure. healing people and yeah. trying to yeah. figure, like are you could you really be because you were born in mm. a van mm-hmm. in yolo county mm-hmm. like just it's just weird yep. so This is everything they're trying to wrap their minds around, and I think it's easy to understand how they could miss it.
1: Well, and I think there's a sobering um, question and reminder in there for us to say, how tightly am I holding on to my ideas about whether this is something—and questioning and examining and reflecting truly, am I holding on to my ideas about God or God's ideas about God? like like have i taken what god has said and revealed to his word and kind of filtered it into my own life and into even my own system and my own way of seeing things that ultimately i can flip and it be i'm holding on to the system itself rather than actually holding on to god Himself,
0: Absolutely. Um, That's a great transition into talking about
1: Moses. Yeah, totally. And so what happens next then, Jesus, so Jesus is called John the Baptist as a witness. He's called God the Father. In that part of the scripture, you'll see he actually says, yeah, my my actions themselves testify, bear witness as well, all the signs that I've done. And now he calls Moses as a witness. And the Jews, man, their whole identity was built on the fact that they had Moses as their um, patriarch father and that they had Abraham as their father. They were children of Abraham. And so they held on to Moses teaching and they held on to the fact that they were children of Abraham. And they said, because we're Jewish, because we have these guys as our uh, ancestral fathers, we're good. We're in the kingdom. We're children of God. Nothing else really matters now. And Jesus says, you know, actually, Moses, who you're building your entire identity on, he's actually accusing you now because he was actually the one that was writing and teaching about me. And see, so that is that very same thing, what was supposed to be pointing them to hold on to God himself, they actually held on to the laws and the rules and the regulations and the system that they had built themselves. Um, and, and they were missing Jesus right in front of them. Yeah. And this is where you
0: see Jesus like flip the tables of mm. the courtroom setting. He goes from defending himself with some witnesses to now saying, I'm on the offense and I want yeah. to show you how your own thought process proves you
1: wrong. Yep. Yep. So yeah. like, it's transitioning a little bit here into some application, yeah. um, any, a- just main applications that stick out to you and your own life or just kind of where, what's the big idea that you feel like this passage is, is, is saying that you even then take away into your own life?
0: Yeah. Gosh, that whole idea about how hard it is to change our mindsets and be mm. thinking uh, in a way that says, am I really trusting God or am I trusting more in my own ideas? And just that, Holding that awareness in front of me, like, am I more concerned about the number of followers I have on social media or what people are saying about me and building me up? Or am I more concerned about following Jesus Mm. and seeing his way happen in my life and in the world around me? Um, And just trying to keep that before me because, right, you've got a notification on your phone that's telling you whether or not you're popular. Mm. And how do you flip that script to say... Who, Jesus, who is Jesus really to yeah, me yeah. and how does that change the way I live?
1: Yeah, that's so good. Am I more concerned about how many followers I have versus who I'm following? Who I'm following, yeah. Uh, uh, okay, let me lean into even application a little bit more on that. How do you make that switch?
0: Oh, yeah, great question. Um, I think there are, like, I mean, just little ways you can make the switch, right? Writing something on your mirror in the morning, like, who are you following? Or one of our questions, God, what are you inviting me into today, right? It's a yeah. super simple tool. That makes it really accessible to start thinking differently about the way that we yeah. operate in the world. Yeah. Um, so just those couple of things could could easily do it. Where that's you great. just start your day with yeah. one little thing that a changes lot of it is changing
1: your mind, which yeah. changes your actions. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's or you
0: get off social media.
1: Yeah, there you go. That's another. <laughs> that's, another that's another way another to do option. it. <laughs> um, I think for me, like just thinking about, I think the big idea here is that Jesus is God and these witnesses and point and evidence for that. Um, So the way that that plays itself out every day, I think is, is really, am I surrendering to Jesus as Lord of my life? It's a Lordship question. Is he truly Lord? Am I on the throne? Or is he, or is he on the throne? And that's just a daily, daily question. That's something that you have to ask yourself every single day because the same way the Jews kind of accidentally in their, in their pursuit of God, they became about, the thing that was supposed to point them to God rather than God himself. And they missed it. They missed Jesus. I can so easily slip into building my own kingdom in a capitalistic America, consumeristic America, hurried, driven, busy, cultured America. Yeah. Is Christmas about Jesus or is Christmas about Christmas? Is my life actually about Jesus or is my life actually about building my life? Is Uh, my family about something that's actually built for the glory of God, or is it my family itself? And so these things that are actually meant to be pointing to God's glory turn to the idol themselves. And so I just think like that's something I have to be wary of every single day. That's something I have to be careful of every single day. And um, just ultimately, I think it's living in a posture of surrender every single day and really just coming before God with hands wide open. And Jesus even points to that in them, in in their own hearts, that they don't have the love of God in their hearts. And so just like staying in that fresh place of, do I have the love of God in my heart? And like doing this because of the love of God, for the love of God, not for any other reason.
0: Yeah. So good. Wow. Guys, thanks for spending your time with us today. Our promise to you is that we are going to do our very best to make this time valuable for you, the leader, So if it's helped you in any way, let us know.
1: This is actually going to be the end of season one. We're going to take a couple of weeks off and we'll be kicking it back off in the new year. And so we're glad you've joined us throughout this last fall and season. Um, And whether you're at the gym, mowing the lawn, driving, whatever you're doing while you like to listen to podcasts, uh, we hope you continue to feel equipped, encouraged, challenged, um, spiritually fed and nourished and ready to walk through the text this week.
0: Absolutely. As you go about these next few weeks, remember Jesus is the true reason for the season. So lean into him, not into all the chaos that 2020 has brought. Mm. Let the spirit lead you and know you are the one who is sent this week into your group, into your family, into your pray watch communities, wherever God invites you. Be the living proof of our loving God.
1: We love you guys. We'll catch you next time on the Tech